This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Uh, But turn with me to Genesis chapter number 41. And um, this this story um, became very... uh, kind of leaped off the page at me again, and um, if you've been around church or Pentecost or um, any amount of time, you've heard the story of Joseph, um, and many compare the story of Joseph um, and what he went through to the life of Jesus, And um, but we're going to look at a, a few verses of scripture here, and um, going to read it, and then we'll comment, and then we'll read and comment a little bit, and I'm going to ask for class participation again tonight. How many like class participation? As long as it's not you, right? Everybody loves class participation when it's somebody else, and um, but then if you're not looking at me, it's the one time you get picked, maybe, I don't know. Um, where to start here? Um, the title tonight, I guess, is if you got the text today, is keeping the known from being unknown. Um, and that kind of um, thing, kind of a theme, if you're here Sunday, uh, we talked about memorials and how memorials are important in our life. And so I guess this lesson is kind of spawned off of, off of Sunday's message. And... Um, uh, so let's let's see who was listening Sunday. What are the importances of memorials? Why is a memorial important? All right, play the podcast, brother. No, I'm just teasing, Sister Bonnie. Bring back to remembrance of what has impacted in your life. Okay, what else? Why are memorials important? Maybe it's beyond what I even said. Maybe it's something that you can share. Why is a memorial important? Honor. Person, place, or thing. Very good. I like that. It is good. Um, anybody else? Purpose or the importance of a memorial. Very good. Teach the future generations. I like that. Um, All right. Um, A memorial is something to help make the known not become unknown. There are certain things that we got to keep that are important to us, right? They're important to us in our walk with God, the things of God. and um, to always be a reminder. But there are things that we can do to make sure that something that is known now never gets to the place that it's unknown. And that's the danger of perhaps our walk with God is that we can allow situations or things to come up in our life and the victories that we had once before all of a sudden become unknown and foreign to us. We lose the zeal. How many's ever had zeal before? Maybe you got zeal tonight about something. 
you've had zeal and you get fired up. And then two days later, the first negative thing that happens in your life, and all of a sudden, like a vacuum, takes the zeal right out of your life. And you question what, did, what was that zeal really for? Uh, because we get on this emotional high, so to speak, and then all of a sudden that feeling of that known feeling that you had, all of a sudden you can't get it back. It's all snap. Go foot in the mouth kind of thing is that we say something out of, that's me, amen, I'll do this for the Lord, and then the first negative thing or obstacle gets in our way, and six months down the line, we're embarrassed because we opened our mouth, and everybody heard it, and everybody knows the outcome of our life is not what we proclaimed it was going to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, we get to that, get to that place. The known becomes quickly unknown. And when something goes from known to unknown in our life, all of a sudden, it brings out, it shows inconsistencies. Some things become inconsistent when we used to believe or to live by one fact, but now we believe on another fact. Let me resolve something real quick. iPad is telling me to keep one document and not the other. My computer's too close. Picking up. There we go. All right. Thank you. Okay. It's not letting me. Try it again. I just won't touch it. All right. All my notes are on one page. So as long as I just keep that page up, we'll be all right. Um, so it's it's what happens is is a lot of times we we have a known. And then sooner or later, it becomes an unknown. And it's usually the reason why it becomes unknown to us is because of obstacles. Ever say obstacles. Or we see something that um, perhaps, um, well, let's look at the scripture. Let's go to the Bible. That's a good way to start it off with good scripture, right? And we're going to read a few scriptures here. So just follow along with me. And if you, you know the story, so just, just picture in your mind. Some of the things, and we're going to start at Genesis 41, and um, let's let's pick it up at about, um, you know what, let's pick it up at verse number one. That's a good place to start. Um, and somebody can read for me one through ten for me. That would be helpful. Somebody has a good loud voice. Okay, Sister Ruth, go ahead. One through ten. Um, okay, keep reading. Sorry, read verse number four. Okay, let me just stop here real quick and let's look at this scripture. Um, and if you don't mind, uh, Raphael, put up the ESV version because it kind of gives us a little better um, words that we would uh, go to verse number one. 
Um, and I want you to, as we look at this, I want you to think about the words and see what words stand out. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. This cracked me up when I read this. Sorry. All right. Attractive and plump. And they fed. See, y'all going to start laughing now. And they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin. Now, that just, just completely different than what society would think today. <laughs> now, think about it. Plump and pretty and ugly and skinny. They just threw, threw me for a loop there. Um, <laughs> I'm right in between all this right now. I just, I'm, a, I'm a go-between. All right. And now after they stood by the other cows, now that gives you, they stood by each other. Everybody said they stood by each other. There was a comparison that was made between the cows. Okay? Ugly and beautiful. We'll just leave it at that. And, and on the bank of the Nile, verse number four. And the ugly, thin cows ate up to seven attractive, as attractive, plump cows. Then fair. Now, if you had that dream, I think I would wake up too. Come on now. Um, it's, it's okay to let the word of God be amusing to us. Verse number five, go there with me. And he fell asleep. I don't know how long it says it took him to fall back asleep. But he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good. There's that word plump again, plump and good. were growing on one stalk. Everybody say one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And it began to deteriorate by the wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Everybody say, he woke up again. All right. Uh, keep reading through verse number 10. Okay, that was first through verse number 10, right? I'll pick up verse number 11. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And when he told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about, I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Be careful who you get your advice from. I would like to hear from people that want to tell me the truth and have been with God. Amen. Because it, 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 in this kind of story right here, you can go and people will tell you dreams that just don't add up. And that's what Pharaoh was doing. He was going to magicians and people and they and, and their interpretations. The Bible says they gave their interpretation, but it didn't really add up. Be careful who you get your interpretations from, if you will, or advice from. Because at the end, typically they just don't add up if they haven't been with God. Okay? They just didn't add up. Because no one could interpret them. Here's just like the world. The world will give you their version of something, but the end is not good anyway. 
No, we, we, we try to gain our thoughts and our, gain our, our dreams and gain our wisdom from this world, but in the end, it won't add up to anything. You've got to make sure you're in the house of God and the things of God and uh, get your advice from somebody who has been with God. Amen? All right, verse number 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself, and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. I love that scripture. Um, Brandon, why don't you pick up remember, verse number 15, read through uh, verse number 20. All right, here we go again. You're going to read it from the ESV again. Here we go. And verse number 18, Raphael. Yep. Verse uh, 41, 18. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, <laughs> such as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. He says, I'm, I'm going to read this again. Seven other cows, go back to, yeah, verse 18, sorry. Seven cows, plump and attractive, come up out of the Nile and fed in the reed of grass, okay? Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in the land of Egypt. Praise the Lord, brother. Brother Theory saying praise the Lord over there. And um, he, he had both hands up, ready to receive the word. Love that. But the Bible says, such as I had never seen in all of the land of Egypt. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to hard times in life, some things are going to happen that you've never seen before. There are going to be things that are going to happen in your life that you have, you'll, it will wow you. How in the world did I get to the place that I'm in right now? But also, God can wow you to the place and says, I'm going to take you to places you've never been before. But in this scripture, uh, it is interpreted or said to say that I have never seen this in the land of Egypt ever before. I've never seen cows in such a bad place. I've never seen cows look this way, and I've never seen cows act this way. I've never seen this ever happen in the land of Egypt. Everybody say never. Ever. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still ugly, <laughs> still as ugly as the beginning. Verse number 21, put that up there. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known. This is very important. Nobody would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I woke up. No wonder he woke up. 
it's pretty interesting that 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 the the picture here, if you will, is 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 since you're you, he's seeing things and he's understanding things, something he had never seen before in all of Egypt, and he is the Pharaoh of Egypt. He has all power. He's seen everything. He is he has everything, but he has never seen this before, so he needed somebody to interpret. He said, then I awoke, verse number 22. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk full of good, seven ears, ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. We're going to start getting to where I really want to talk about tonight. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. They're one. The dreams are one. The seven lean and the seven and the ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Isn't it wonderful to, that God will bring somebody in your life to tell you what he's about to do? Thankful that God will bring somebody in our life and God will speak to us to share with us what's about to, about to happen. And that's wonderful. But let's read on here for a second. And he says, um, where did I stop there? Verse number what is that, 28? Okay. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all of the land of Egypt. But after them, there will rise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be, what's that word say? In the land of Egypt. How quickly the plenty is ignored. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow. For it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. Keeping the known from being the unknown. So many times that we can go through life and we can celebrate things, but the first time it gets tough, we throw in the towel. First time things get hard, we get upset and say, God never cared for us at all. There are things in Scripture, just like this story here tonight, that I saw myself in. That when things got tough, I quickly forgot the times of plenty. I quickly began to ignore the times of plenty because now I am completely consumed of the famine that is around about us, of the roundabout our lives. We can be consumed by the famine. The Bible says it would be something that have, Egypt has never seen before. 
and that would somehow the famine would become, everybody would be so transfixed on the famine that the t- when the times were good, quickly people forget. Now I was reminded of the children of Israel. When they got out of Egypt, they celebrated. But when they come up against the Red Sea, what happened to them? What was their attitude after they met the Red Sea? Lord, take, take us on back to Egypt. We would be better to live in Egypt than be stuck out here. He left us here to die. And then what happens? He gets them out of across the Red Sea, and, he, and they go into the wilderness, and then there's no bread, and there's no water. And they say, God, it would be better if we went back to Egypt. How quickly they forgot about the plenty of being saved out of the land of Egypt. They began to see the famine that was right in front of them. How quickly we are to condemn one. How quickly we are to condemn our situation and hate on God. But God's telling you, do not forget the plenty that I gave you. In the midst of the famine. And I begin to look at this story and I begin to look at a little bit of things in this story about how, how, how Joseph reacted and all these things. What was allowing them never to forget the plenty? What was it about the famine that was going to be so bad? What was it going to be about the famine that was going to be so bad that they would forget the plenty? What would cause me to live in such a state of despair? What would cause me that in the middle of my trial, in my test, to completely forget all the things that God has done for me in the times of plenty? I began to look at scripture and I began to look at perhaps this story here today and I began to think of all the things of my attitudes during the time of famine versus my attitude in the time of plenty. It's easy to be thankful in a time of plenty. But it's not so easy to be thankful in a time of famine. It's easy to worship the Lord when a time of plenty. But it's hard to worship God in a time of famine. Let me tell you tonight, do not let your thanksgiving and do not let your worship be unknown. Let it not get to the place that it's no longer even there when times get scarce. Because the Lord will always prepare you for your famine. Let me say that again. The Lord will always prepare you for your famine. The Lord will always prepare you for what is coming down the road. The Lord will always make a way of an escape. He will give somebody in your life to make sure you know how to prepare for the famine that is to come. Look in Scripture so many times, and it's maybe I'm just elementary. I look at the scripture and it's so easy for me to think of the elementary things. I, I'm not in a, you know, in this deep revelatory relationship with the word of God. I don't feel, I just, some things look very simple to me. And here's, here's what I have understood through the life of Joseph. Is that he was always, it seemed as though, always in a land of plenty versus a land of fam, fam, famine. He had it all in his father's house, but then he lost it all. And then he went into a place of, of the courts or in, in, a, in a Pharaoh's kingdom, and then he lost it all again. And then, then he goes back to, the, uh, back to the Pharaoh's courts, and, and he is second in command in all the, all the land. And then all of a sudden he's faced with a, a severe case of famine in the land. He was, not, he was not foreign to ups and downs. He was not foreign to famines or plenty. 
not something that he had not seen before. So what did Joseph do in a time of plenty, in a time of famine? One thing he never did is never gave up on his God. He never gave up on God. He never stopped seeking God. He never stopped loving God. He never stopped saying, Lord, speak to me. He never never, never gave up on thanking God for what he has done. I, I would venture to say that his attitude when he walked out into his brothers to tell them the good news of what the Lord was going to do through a dream, that same zeal, that same attitude, that, that same love and fervor for the Lord was the same love and fervor he had for God in the prison. When he had an opportunity to share his interpretation to the baker and the butler. How many times will we come short of ministering the gospel to people when we're in our time of famine? Let me just say this. Your witness is stronger in your time of famine than it is in the time of your plenty. When you're going through the darkest of hours and you still say, my worship is still good enough. My thanksgiving is still enough. When I don't have anything to thank God for, I thank him for dying on the cross for me. I can't think of anything that, that's going my way. The one thing I can say, Jesus, you died for me. You forgave me. You washed away my sins. You gave me joy. You, you gave me peace. I can go back to the cross in a time of famine and in a time of plenty. Joseph never gave up on his God. He never gave up, but because circumstances don't become favorable to us, we give up on God too easy. If I could be a pastor here for a moment, many of us have allowed our circumstances to define our walk with God. Things have got tough, things hard. Pastor, you don't understand my situation. Pastor, you don't understand, I, I, I have to do this, I have to do that. And, you know, the kingdom of God just got to be on the back burner for a minute. I, I have every right to hate God, Pastor. You don't understand what somebody did to me. I, I've been around ministry for many years and been a part of ministry and ministering to the young people for, for over, and, and, and adults for 24 years. And I don't know how many times I've come to people and people say, well, Pastor, if it wasn't for that pastor that did this and that minister to do this and, and that person to do this, and I know those things are tough, but that should not take my praise, that should not take my worship, that should not take my thanksgiving away from God. And I know it's hard, but it's a choice we have to make. There is something within our will that says, I will not allow the earth and this life and the people around me to dictate how much I give to God. God's an easy, easy blame. Easy blame a lot of times for many people. The easy person to point the finger at. Because, you know, we don't see his face. I wonder if the Lord was sitting here face to face with us, would we blame him then? But because we don't see him, it's easy to blame the person that's, that we don't see. Blame the person that's not with us. It's easy to talk about the person that's not in front of us. I, I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is, has never left. The Bible says he is the same yesterday. He hadn't changed. If you believe that it is, 
Thank you, Brother Bill. We change. Not God. It's our attitude that's changed. It's our will that has changed. Our circumstances may have changed, but God hasn't changed. So when Pharaoh comes to Joseph in this story in chapter number 41, says the famine, verse number 31, or 30, let's go back to 30. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be unknown in the land. Why? By reason of the famine that will follow. Here's what I they answer. The famine was going to come. Ready or not, the famine's coming. The Bible says that the Lord is going to make it so. He said, he, he repeated himself. He said, in fact, the Lord has made it so because he repeated himself twice in two different dreams. He says, so in this fact, it shall remain that this will happen. The famine will come and the plenty will come. In other words, in your life here tonight, in times to come, there will be plenty and there will be famine. That is a promise. Key part here is on how to survive the plenty and how to survive the famine. And here's what Joseph told the told Pharaoh: You've got to do one thing: prepare. Everybody say prepare. We have got to prepare for the plenty and prepare for the famine. Because if you only prepare for the famine and not the plenty, then you're going to get out of whack. Hear me. If the plenty comes and you're not good steward of the plenty, when the famine comes, you're going to be in a rough shape. We talk about stewardship right here. If you're not a good steward of this, then God says you can't be a good steward of this. If, if, if you're not going to take care of this, then why would I grant you this? It, 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 what, what are you saying here? Joseph is saying, you've got, Pharaoh, we've got to prepare. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what this world's going to present to us tomorrow. I don't know what the economic status of this world will be in six months. I don't know what our political climate's going to be in six months. But I know one thing. If I talk to the Lord today, he'll prepare me for my tomorrow. And if I talk to the Lord tomorrow, he'll prepare me for the next day and the next day. i got scripture for that. Bible teaches us in Genesis when they, the Bible says the Lord would come down in the cool of the day and talk to Adam and Eve. How often did he do that? Every day. He talked to them every day. I think it's 2 Timothy 3.16. I believe it's 2 Timothy 3.16. It teaches us our daily walk with the Lord. Reaching and talking to the Lord daily. Why is the daily thing important? It's because the daily bread that God will give us is to sustain us for that next day. Say, Pastor, I, I can fast the next day. You'd be very careful how you can fast the next day. <laughs> because if you don't get what you need today, that fast on the next day may not be, you won't be able to handle that that fast perhaps. If I don't have the spiritual food that I have today, because the Bible teaches us daily to go to him, daily in his word. This is the bread of life. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but God will give me what I need today because I don't know tomorrow. God knows it. So God will give me today to sustain that tomorrow. And for order for me to sustain tomorrow, i got to know what the Lord has for me today. 
important principle that we have got to somehow extract in our walk with God. How do people somehow fall by the wayside in a time of famine is because they're not prepared while the time is plenty. I find this very interesting in our church um, in our walk with God and how this church is growing. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the times of plenty. But I feel as that the devil is going to work overtime and we cannot get lackadaisical in our approach to the kingdom. We cannot sit back and say, thank God for this, thank you Lord for this, and, 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 and God, we're just going to sit back and enjoy. No, we have a long ways to go. And until God comes, we got to be pressing forward. we got to be saying, God, sustain me today because I don't know what this world's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in society. But, God, I need you today to help me with my tomorrow. Something that's really disturbed me over the last few weeks, and I don't know when the first time that I've seen this. Um, it was on my Facebook feed or something like that. I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe it was on Twitter or Instagram. I don't know. With where the um, how many ever, how many get those um, oh you get commercials on your Facebook feed advertisements sponsored well something came up on the um, um, on Amazon I'm an Amazon Prime member and and um, and something came up on my Amazon uh, as a sponsored uh, advertisement and man it just kind of disturbed the fire out of me. And it kind of tells me, and I shared this with somebody in the church, and, and it was interesting. They weren't nearly as disturbed as I was, which disturbed me. But they weren't disturbed about my disturbance. And, um, and it's, there was a, a commercial that came on about a show that's coming on Amazon Prime Video, I believe it was. And, and I, I saw it again, so I kind of made note of it, and I wrote it down. It's called Good Omens. Um, and this, and I haven't seen anything but the preview, but the preview says it all. And it caught my attention the second time, so I started paying close attention. I said, what in the world is this talking about? It's a, it's, it's a show called Good Omens, and what it is is there's an angel and a devil working together. And their whole idea of existence is to come down to the earth and stop the Antichrist from Armageddon happening. That's the whole synopsis of the show. And then I, I, was, I saw a, a, another show, and it's called Lucifer. I've never seen it. I saw advertisement for it. I'm like, what in the world is going on? That people are so are getting sucked into something that is going to take them to a dry, famine place that they're not prepared to go. Say, well, Pastor, that's just, that's just the movies. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you allow in your home. Home, I don't care if they call it good omens. I find no place in the Bible where the angel and, 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 and devils are working hand in hand on the same team. And I, I don't find it very interesting at all that they would work together to stop the Antichrist from Armageddon happening. That, that's nowhere in Scripture. So what this world in Hollywood is trying to do is to take you to a very, very dark place. It's deception. 
That's deception in its finest, in, it, in its most cruelest form, actually. I find it very interesting that, that if we allow Hollywood and if we allow entertainment to, to, to we, if we find our place to get the joy from that, then we have lost the joy of the Holy Ghost. If, we, if, if we're not disturbed by those things, and, and if you're not pricked in your heart and say, my God, help us to not get to a place of, of deception going down this road, then, then, then where, are, where are we spiritually when we do not even, it doesn't even grip our heart with these things? One man, in fact, it was Leonard Ravenhill, and I think I, I put this on our social media on um, I was reading an article by Leonard Ravenhill and he says uh, let me find it real quick I think I put this in my in my notes he says entertainment is a devil's substitute for joy the more joy you have in the Lord the less entertainment you need Entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Now, I'm not saying that some entertainment's okay. I mean, there's certain things that we can watch and be entertained by, but be careful what you're entertained by. Entertainment is a devil's substitute for joy. In other words, if he begins, if you begin to get more joy and elation out of out of out of certain things on the on 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 television and the internet or Netflix or Amazon or what all these places are, or entertained by the world, if you need more entertainment of this world, you need more entertainment from God, entertainment in His presence. Here's what I have found very frustrating as a pastor. And if I can just say this, and you all just believe and trust me that I, I'm speaking from the right place, that it's frustrating as, as a pastor and it causes me to pray is when literally people are entertained by the things of the world more than they're entertained by the things of God. I think that's really the crux of the matter of pastoring. But the problem is, is we have allowed society and allowed things to creep into our spirit and into our mind to allow our endorphin levels to be tantalized with the things of the world that when God uh, spirit move, it doesn't move us like it used to because we have these endorphin levels that are being entertained by something greater or something other that's, um, that, that we have so much going on in our mind of the world that we're intrigued by that we're no longer intrigued by the things of God. Philippians talks about that. Drama is another thing. We get so caught up in drama, circumstances, this person, that person, pastor, you hear about this, you hear about that. And what I, I want to admonish us here today is to take us back to the woman who had the alabaster box. She was not entertained by anything else but the presence of God. And nothing else really mattered to her. I'm not saying that there's not things that we need to be mindful of. But what if what would happen if all of us entertained Jesus like the woman with the alabaster box? What kind of church would we be if we all worshiped the Lord that way? What kind of impact could we have 
if we just disrupted our day with a box of praise? What would happen to our life? What would happen in a moment if we're sitting at lunch at, at, at work and we say, you know, I'm just going to worship God for here for a little while. Maybe I'm going to push back my plate here today and I'm just going to spend some time, put some music on in the car. I'm going to raise my hands and just begin to worship Jesus right here. What kind of church would we be if we came to church with the only agenda is touching Jesus? What kind of people would we be if we said, I don't care what famine I'm in, care if I'm in plenty. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace and the mercy of God, and i got to give him back to everything I have. I truly believe that Joseph had a, had a heart after God, and God had prepared him for Pharaoh. God had anointed Joseph to help Egypt. And if you read on later on in the chapters, the rest of Genesis is what God did through the life of Joseph. The Lord allowed Joseph to be anointed. God anointed Joseph to, to give him, to give interpretations. And God put him in that second of command position, not for Joseph's glory, but to God, so that God could make a way for the children of Israel, a way of escape. They were passed through the children of Israel, eventually went to Egypt, and, and, and they were all in bondage. But this, I'm glad the story doesn't stop there. God made a way of an escape out of bondage. So no matter where you're in, what situation you're in today, whether it be plenty or famine, you can't allow the devil to rob the key ingredients to keep you from Remembering the plenty. I can say this, go back to my original things, the two things that I find that Joseph lived. He lived a life of thanksgiving, and he lived a life of, of care to the Lord, regardless of his circumstances. Now, this is a very general, perhaps, subject here tonight, but I think it rings true that there are people in this room that you've gone through famine and you're still going through famine spiritually. But you were not prepared for that famine. So right now, can I just be really honest? Some are lost. Because you weren't really prepared to go through what you're going through. But I'm here to tell you, you can, you, can, you can change your course here tonight. Do I have a witness here? We, you can change your course here tonight. In just a moment's notice, you can begin to worship God and have an attitude of thanksgiving in the midst of famine, and then God will prepare you for that famine that you're going through. He will do it. It's so, it's so funny, and I shouldn't say funny because it's, it's really, spiritually it's, it's so true, is that the ugly cows, the ugly cows come in and devour, devour the plump cows. And devoured the good things. 
And that just like the devil, the ugliness of the world would come in and devour the very blessings of God. Things that apply to our life. And that's what the devil will do, the ugliness of sin. It will devour the plumpness of the blessings of God. It will devour the fruit of God. He will devour the things that even though the devil will try to come in and rob things from me, rob my joy, rob peace, rob uh, can't rob grace, but rob rob the things of that 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 I have I have built up in my life. That he he will try to rob those things from me, and to keep me from appreciating what I had in the time of plenty. I want us to stand together right now. Stop right here. Of a verse. The Bible says, and some of you could probably quote it and tell me where it's at, but the devil will come up to, upon us to eat our flesh, he stumbles and falls. Even though he comes to devour us, he can stumble and fall. Here's the reason why. Is that when I, things are not going my way and things are not where I, they, we feel and hope they would be, the devil will try to come in and continue to rob us and eat us up. The ugliness of sin will try to devour everything that we are. And the reason why he can't devour and the reason why he, he will stumble and fall is because he can't devour a thankful heart. He can't devour somebody that's full of joy and peace and the love of God. He can't. Just He can't do it. Because he's full of deceit and lies and pride. So we're going to pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.